This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, When we are younger, the younger we are, we tend to dream more. We tend uh, to be more idealistic. Life hasn't stomped on us as much, perhaps, as it might have as we get older in years. The older we get, we tend to forget about dreams. We, We stop risking. We stop the adventure. We kind of uh, hunkered down, we're not willing or as much willing to be vulnerable. And yet we know that God is a giver of dreams. We know that the God that we know in Jesus Christ and we serve in Jesus Christ doesn't ever stop dreaming for his world. We know that God can make amazing difference in any life that is yielded to him. You know, right now we're celebrating throughout the world, the life of Nelson Mandela. A man who, for over two decades, was confined to a little cell in imprisonment at the hands of an oppressive apartheid government in South Africa. The amazing thing about him, as much as that is incredible that he endured that, was how he left that cell And how he became the president of a democratic new government in South Africa. It was all about peace and justice and inclusiveness. And how that he did not retaliate evil for evil. Or payback time. But he practiced forgiveness as a national leader and transformed a nation. And he said... If I hadn't practiced forgiveness, I would still be in prison. So the world is celebrating today a life where God transformed a nation because of one man. God still gives dreams. God has dreams for this world. God gives dreams in Scripture, and in Scripture, He gives dreams and visions to people, all kinds of people, rich and poor, young and old. God does not discriminate in terms of age. God is always dreaming, and God is calling you into the dream of this world. Maybe we shouldn't forget too much the dreams of Isaiah years ago when he dreamed of a day when the lion and the lamb would lie down together. The dream of a prince of peace. And it's okay to light that candle twice. We need to get that message clear. The prince of peace coming in Jesus. Have we given up on that dream? So God God is calling you and me into his dream. And his dream for this world is not about you. It's not about me. It's much bigger than the self-absorption or the individuality that you and I are kind of prone to hunker down and think about in life. His dream is much bigger. And Jesus Christ is front and center in God's dream for the world. Jesus brought the kingdom here 2,000 years ago. Jesus brought it. He didn't compromise it. He was vulnerable. He was open. He was direct. He was announcing it to the world. And he's still calling us to be a part of that kingdom And a part of that dream. 
And so we're talking about Jesus during these Sundays of Advent and Christmas. We're talking about Jesus from the Gospel of John. And I love the preamble, what I call the preamble of the Gospel of John, those first 18 verses that we're looking at during these Sundays in December. Because he's, he's announcing to us all about Jesus. And last week we talked about how that Jesus goes before us, the word that goes before the world, that the world, that, that, that Jesus pre-existed with the Father, that, that Jesus is the eternal one. And today we're looking at a great truth that, that God didn't only go before us and goes before us in our life, but God is for us. I mean, God is really for us. So I want to invite you to look with me at just some brief scripture, but some powerful scripture about this good news that Jesus is for you and not against you. In verse 9, we read the words that the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. His light is for everyone, for all of us. Any goodness that you have in life, any sense of hope or vitality or love or any sense of strength or peace that comes your way, it, it comes from the Father of light. It comes from the goodness of God. And that light is on everyone. It's, it's on people of all nations and colors and races and religion. God does not discriminate in how that Jesus Christ wants to shine into the life of all people. It's kind of like grits in the south. His grace comes whether you order it or not. His grace is common. It's for you if we will walk in that light. I, uh, I got a furnace man. Uh, my furnace man knows about furnaces really well. And, and I really love the guy. He's just a good old boy from the Ozarks. He looks like he could star on Duck Dynasty. And... He and I were talking about furnaces, and after a while, as he's working on my furnace, he asked me, well, what do you do to preoccupy your time? I hate those questions, because I have to either tell the truth and say I'm a pastor or lie. And I hate to say I'm a pastor, because when I say uh, I'm a pastor, usually the conversation changes dramatically, where... We're no longer two human beings talking with each other. And people usually say, oh, that's cool. And it just kind of ends right there. But that's not the way the furnace man treated me. My furnace guy says, oh, that's cool. Where do you pastor? I told him. And he says, well, I used to go to a church. I used to go to a country church. But it got too Calvinistic for me. So I, I stopped going to that church. And as my furnace man talked, I began to realize that this guy knows the intricacies of theology. And he talked about how that, you know, those Calvinists, you know, they believe that some people are predestined to be damned. And some people are predestined to be saved. And we started talking about how that, you know, some people believe that everything that happens in this world happens for a reason. You know, you may be one of those persons. I don't want to put you down. We can talk later. But I have a lot of trouble with that. I have a lot of trouble with the idea that everything happens for a reason. That just sounds awful fatalistic to me. Or it sounds like God gets an awful lot of bad PR. It seems to me that when we say everything happens for a reason, it's kind of saying that, uh, you know, God's in charge of everything that happens, and he's the author of it all. 
And I think that just kind of stands in the way of a lot of people believing that God is for everyone. But my furnace man, he doesn't buy that. He went on to say, I just figure when the Bible says whoever believes, it means whoever. And when it says all, it means all. You just missed your cue back there, brother. (laughs) I'll read that again. My theologian, the furnace man, when we're talking about God's light being on everyone, he says, I just figure when the Bible says whoever, it means whoever. And when it says all, it means all. That it's not God's will that any person perish, but that all come to the knowledge of the truth. That God so loved the world that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. I told my furnace man, he was the Methodist, he just didn't know it. (laughs) Now let's read on. But the truth of the matter is, not everybody accepts. In fact, many people reject. And now we read two of the saddest verses in all of Scripture, where John says, he, speaking of Jesus, he was in the world. And the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. We know that we live in a world where the governments and the nations and the peoples of this world, the intellectuals of this world, the elite of this world, largely reject Jesus, just as they did back then. We also know there were exceptions, and there are exceptions today. We know that there was the Roman centurion. They were members of the Jewish Sanhedrin. There were people of Jesus' heritage that did accept him. There were leaders in the world that did bow the knee to him, but largely, well, the idea of God sending his son as a baby in a backwoods town of Nazareth, or the idea that God would have his son suffer the cruel death of a cross, that's offensive. And so largely... The world didn't, doesn't recognize Jesus as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, the Savior. And largely his own people, his own heritage, still do not believe. Why is that true? Why is it that so many people reject Jesus? Well, let's turn to another theologian. This is Thomas Aquinas. He's on the other end of the spectrum of my furnace man. He is one of the most learned men in all all the history of, of the church. In fact, people say that he's the greatest theologian of the church, and he's written these volumes of theology. And if you're an intellectual, I, I celebrate that, and you want to go deeper, and you don't want to read any fluff, I will let you borrow some volumes of Thomas Aquinas from my library. Not that I understand it, but I've got those books. But here's something Aquinas says that I think sheds a lot of light onto why people reject Jesus. He says there's two kinds of souls. There's the open soul, and there's the defended heart. The open soul is vulnerable. The open soul is receiving. The open soul doesn't hold anything back. Jesus Christ was the most open soul that ever walked the earth. He was loving, he was kind, he was 
open, he was accepting. He, he offered himself to everyone. And he was rejected and he was despised and he was abused. He suffered the consequences for it. It's not easy to be open, really, is it? And the older that you and I live in life, the longer we go in life, the more we tend to kind of close up and we become defensive. We become like the person of the defended heart. And we're not as open, we're not as accepting. Sometimes it's because we're suspicious. We've been hurt before. People of an authority, people that were over us, abused us, lovers rejected us. We become wounded. And so sometimes it's our pride that causes us to be defended, to be defensive. And the walls go up. Sometimes it's the wounds of our spirit that causes us to be closed off. In my bedroom, we have uh, two windows. Um, in the summertime, we put both windows uh, covered with total black cloth to close out the sun. Because frankly, I don't want to get up with the sun in the summertime. <laughs> we just close it off. But one of those drapes fell down recently, and I thought, well, in the wintertime, I'll just leave it up and be schizophrenic, have an open window and a closed window. And that's kind of the way our spirits are, I think, sometimes. Sometimes we're a closed soul, a, a defended heart. Sometimes we're an open soul, an open spirit. Sometimes we let the light in, we let the goodness shine in, but there's things that happen to us that sometimes causes us to block out all the light and all the goodness of God. And I think, I think if we're honest with each other, it's really hard to be an open soul, an open heart that's fully receptive to Jesus. Because you know what? Jesus is dangerous. He's dangerous to the status quo. Jesus will mess with us. Jesus will change us. Jesus will ask us to change Jesus will ask us to do things we don't want to do. Jesus will transform us. And so I'd rather sometimes just be confined and closed where I can control my life. It's perfectly fine and comfortable and secure the way it is. But the problem is we get dead inside. We die. We're not alive. We lack adventure. <laughs> We're not willing to step out and dream the dreams of God. And besides that, we've been hurt before when we've stepped out and we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of falling again. I love the words of Judith McNutt when she says that if the wounds and scars that we carry on the inside of us were worn on the outside of us, we would all be more kind to each other. All of us are scarred. All of us are wounded. All of us know hurts and disappointments. All of us are fragile. All of us are tempted just to be defensive and to keep the love and the light of God really shining in our hearts and transforming our lives. But the gospel doesn't end with rejection. 
The gospel continues in verses 12 and and 13 where it says, But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave them the power to become children of God. Let's, Let's talk about that. You know, in one sense, we're all God's children. We're all his offspring. We all are made in the, in the image of God. We all have the moral likeness of God. We all have this intrinsic worth and value. But all of us have gone astray. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus Christ has come back as that second human being that's perfect. Only he's he's the son of God. Just as Adam and Eve were created before the fall, Jesus has come to show us once again what it's like to be a child of God. And the good news is that all who believe in Jesus, all who know Jesus, all who embrace Jesus, he gives them the power, or he, becomes them, he gives them the right. He gives them the authority to become the children of God. You see, it is through Jesus that we are privileged to call God Father. And those who receive and know and believe in this Jesus, they're born not of the blood, they're not born of the will of the flesh or the will of man. They are born of God. We are given a new nature. We are changed from the inside out. We are awake. We are alive. We're not given to despair, but because we have the hope of God, we have the love of God that's poured into, the Holy, into our lives through the Holy Spirit. We know God in a personal way. We've accepted his love, and his embrace. We are not offended by the cross because we know that we are saved by the cross. We don't scratch our heads and swallow hard when we say, I believe in the resurrection. No, we know the risen Christ is among us and in us and lives through us. We're changed. We know that God is for us. In the words of Romans 8, if God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his only son, but gave himself up for us all, will he not freely give us all things? And so we receive to all who have received him, who believe in his name. They become children into the family of God. Receiving Jesus is not some intellectual assent. It's not subscribing to a set of doctrines, although I believe that core beliefs are are essential. It is receiving a person, receiving a person, receiving the embrace of God. Now, Dan Emery, would you come up here and be my friend today? I want to ask you if it's okay if I do something with you today. Thank you Go for, for it. saying yes. Uh, when Jesus offers himself to us, 
I think because of our perceptions, we, we might think that Jesus is just kind of standing there. He, he's waiting for us to make the move. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ has made the move. He's come all the way down from heaven. He made the move as the baby in the manger. He, he, he's moving in this world. He, he made the move in giving himself on the cross. So when Jesus comes and embraces us or wants us, I think we might think he just puts out a hand and is looking for a handshake. <laughs> but that would be wrong as well. I think the posture of, of God, the posture of Jesus is that Jesus welcomes us with both arms, both hands, scarred hands. It's, an, it's, it's this posture. He's for us. He's not against us. And the only way that we ever really receive Jesus is that we receive his embrace. And it really is that simple. Thank you. A couple of months ago, I, I got my flu shot. How many of you got your flu shot? Good. Still got a horrible cold, but I don't know. Two billion people on this planet profess Jesus as their Savior, as they profess to be Christians. As I got my flu shot, I wondered, uh, this thought came to me, you know, there's just a little bit of a strand there in the shot that's designed so that you will be immune from getting the real thing. I think sometimes we Christians, we want just enough of Jesus, just a little bit, just a, a little bit of religion that really keeps us immune from the real thing. We might even come down with a little bit of symptoms now and then. But Jesus isn't interested in giving us just a little bit. He comes offering us all, everything. He comes offering himself completely to us. And to all who receive him, who receive the embrace, they're given the power, they're given the right to become children of God. And that is the good news of Christmas. Now as the band comes and prepares to close out some worship, I'd like to just invite us to be in prayer. I want uh, to invite us to just uh, be open to the embrace of Christ. Maybe you want to do this uh, at the prayer rail, or maybe you want to do this in the pew, but uh, to open up your heart and your mind and your spirit to the love of Christ. And in your silence, listen for his voice look into his eyes and feel his embrace.
Perhaps you're someone that has never, ever um, really come to faith in Jesus Christ. In these moments, you can open up your heart and your spirit and just invite him in to your life. Say, Lord, thank you for coming to this earth and showing us what it's like to be fully human, what it's like to be a child of yours. Thank you for your suffering, rejection, and abuse on the cross for me. Thank you for the warm embrace of your love. Thank you that you're for me and not against me. I accept you into my heart, my life, and I believe that you are my risen and coming king. And for all of us, May we take down that black drape over the windows of our soul and let the light of God that is for everyone shine in our hearts. May we feel and know the embrace of God. May we receive him fully and completely as Jesus offers all of himself to us. May we offer all of ourselves to him. For as many as receive them, he gives them the right to become children of God. Amen.